if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 163. This is our 2021 Wells Fargo Championship and Canary Islands Championship Tips and Picks episode. Barry O'Hanrahan and the returning Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action. Good morning, gents. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament stats, and our predictor models. All available. They are completely free of charge and there is no paywall. Please subscribe to this pod. Drive the popularity of the show. You can follow us on Twitter. Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. And secondly, if you're in the growing band of YouTube listeners... Please subscribe and like the show. I thought I'd pull a little chart together before I read this week's review. Uh, so far, we've had 113 US reviews. They lead by two from the United Kingdom on 111. And then we've got Ireland on 27. Now, on the basis that Ireland has a far smaller population than the UK, and the UK have a far smaller population than the US... I don't know really, but anyway, should we have a bit of a battle? Let's see. Uh, it'd be great. We haven't had a few. We haven't had a few um, for a few weeks now. Any US um, review? So if you could take the time over there and send us a five star review, that'd be fantastic. I'm sure that we will get to those reviews that come in for our PGA Championship content, which is only a fortnight away. Right, this week's review. We have a must-listen. This is five stars. This is from Brian. And you'll, 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 um, you'll note this one, Paul. He right. lives in Ayrshire in Scotland, does Brian. Okay. Now, I can remember going to Turnbury mm. with you and the late Dave Power, one of our colleagues. And um, well, that clearly, I've got family in Ayrshire, so they never know. They might know Brian. Uh, I must listen five stars. I started listening to the pod and Steve's YouTube channel around the first lockdown. It really gives an excellent wealth of golf betting data and information ahead of your golf bets for the week. Steve and Paul do all the hard work on the research and share it with us for free. What more can we ask? Apart from more winners, in brackets, aha. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I know. But listen, Brian's got it sorted. It is the cornerstone of my golf betting strategy for the week, usually picking some of Stephen Paul's along with a few of my own. And I've been doing okay for profit this year. So your efforts on the show 
are much appreciated. Thanks, Steve, Paul, and to guest presenter, Barry. And that is from Brian in Ayrshire. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, lo- lovely part of the uh, world from a golfing perspective up there in Ayr, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. I, mem- I remember Turnbury well. It was a, a cracking few days up there. Good. What was it? Was it 2008? Was it 2009? I forget now. It's going back a few years, isn't it? Well, my branch of the family lived just outside of Presswick. And of course, you know, you've got Turnbury, you've got Troon. You've got some absolutely world-famous courses around there. I've been up there in the past when the Open's been on, on holiday. I mean, this is back when I was a kid. But um, yeah, lovely part of the world, great golfing territory. Right, should we talk about last week? I think it's worth bringing up at the very, very start of last week's review, Ben Ben Coley hit the transatlantic double. Now, full respect to that. Yeah. What what price was Bermester? Uh, early doors, sixty to one there or thereabouts, and um, I think he got eighty to one on uh, Sam Burns as well. So, Burns, yeah. yeah, you know, any of us punting on golf know how tricky it is to get uh, get one player up in a full field event. So to get two in the same week is um, is impressive indeed. So hats off, well done, Ben. That really is a decent effort last. That's week. golf in Nirvana. It's yeah. golf betting Nirvana, isn't it? The transatlantic double, yeah. sixty to one and eighty to one. Both yeah, sides of the Atlantic. I've not, I've not seen any tickets flying about on our, our, our social media this week of people who backed the double, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few out there who, uh, who followed, um, followed Ben's advice and, and jumped on. So uh, there you go, Steve. That's something that you and I need to crack on with and get uh, get sorted over the next week. Should we, should we do it this week? Yeah, it'd be nice. Mm. A winner would be great. <laughs> Let alone two. Um, Barry, now you had Sam Burns, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I listened to you and then I ignored it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in fair, in fair, like in in defence, uh, it might have been a bit of a lucky catch because we did. Uh, the two of us went through a lot of the field last week, so there was uh, a bit of focus on everyone, and he kind of popped a few of the little stats I saw on, on the did. site. And um, yeah, I just threw a cheeky little bet on it, and it was uh, it was nice to get the win. So. Um, I, I, I don't know, I felt pretty comfortable about him going into Sunday for some reason. I don't know where that confidence came from um, because I thought Max Homa was a huge threat because of the way he's playing and, yeah. you know, Burns going for his first win. So, uh, But once Max kind of didn't um, get himself properly into the mix, then I felt really confident in Burns kind of going ahead and doing it, whatever way it happened. and. As it happened, uh, Keegan made it very, very easy for him by uh, popping one. Not like Keegan, is it? Oh look, it's uh, it's it's it's, it's got to be hard doing that, you know, to try hit hit these stellar shots down the stretch when the pressure's on, and you know, Bradley's playing great golf at the moment, so he must yeah. have an extra internal level of pressure and expectation on his shoulders to win because he knows he's playing more than good enough to to win. Maybe one, if not two, tournaments at the moment. If if uh, if you'd really kind of been on, you know, hit a few more quality shots at the right time. So, uh, yeah, nice, nice to get Burns and uh, keep the keep the account ticking over. I think the thing with Burns was he was putting so well. He he ended the week third for strokes game putting, and Keegan was thirty eighth, and Burns was just rolling in putts. Was he? He was playing very nicely tee to green, obviously, but yeah. you know he was making putts and. 
Bradley's having to get it sort of to six, seven kicking range to make birdies with the putting. And it, it, it kind of, in the end, it, it snapped on the par three, didn't it, when he hit it in the water? Yeah. How, how quick does Burns like just hit the ball when he gets over it? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, I guess no time, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot to be said for it, like no time for any of the little uh, demons in your head to start having their voices heard, you just make your mind up, stand stand over the ball and just <laughs> smack it, like it's uh, the it's, thing with Burns could, could be something is it, to adopt. <laughs> it's, been, it's been trending with Burns, isn't it? I'm just looking it up on my computer, but you know, from the start of this season, I was on board him at the Safeway when he he was 54. He, he was first uh, 36 hole leader at um, Silverado in September. Uh, 36 hole leader. He was then fourth at 54 holes, finished seventh. Houston Open, the one that Carlos Ortiz won the week before the Masters in November. He was first after 36 holes, first after 54 holes, finished seventh. And then the the one that most of us will remember was Riviera this year. You know, Genesis Invitational, it was loaded, wasn't it? It was literally the best field you would ever get on a PGA Tour domestic tournament. He led across Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And didn't he have like a six-shot lead or something come the end of Friday? It was something crazy. And he finished third in that one. But he still shot two under in the final round. You could just see... That he was starting to get, you know, used to the pressure of the Sunday and being in that. He's cleared to me to be leading to a, a tournament of that quality by such a mark. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a real prodigious talent, Burns. And we always said when he was going to win, it'd be on Bermuda grass. And sure enough, it all kind of lined up last week, didn't it? They they softened the course before the start. Seventeen under one, where previous two renewals it was eight under and ten under. It made the course gettable. And yeah, you know, he just he took the lead on Friday and just didn't didn't let go. That kind of cha- changes the dynamic, doesn't it? You, you know, you do a lot of your prep work and analysis based on how you expect the course to play and how how you expect that to manifest into a winning score. And um, when when the tables get turned, as they did, and it, it was clearly far softer than, um, than than anyone had anticipated last week, and uh, it brings a different type of player into the mix. If you'd have said to me seventeen under was going to yeah. win. You know, when we were recording the podcast, I'd have said to you, no chance. No, 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 unless you can I, see I thought, I thought it was going to be sort of high single digits like yeah, it yeah. traditionally is. I think the the lowest score before last week would had been Hadwin, and he was he won at 13 under. So to get the 17, and, you know, there were, there were a few... Um, Bradley was up there at 16s and 17s coming back down the stretch. But fair play to it. He's, I think Burns has got the game, hasn't he? He's, he's a prestigious driver of the golf ball. He's another one of these guys that can hit it really, really far. Um, pretty straight when he's on it. And But the thing with Burns is he's an absolutely phenomenal putter when he's on form. Uh, the putter certainly worked this week. Yeah. And the other thing with Bradley, um, I disappointed myself that I missed him first round leader because he's first round performances at Copperhead have been really strong over the last few years and he's one of those players that I often go back to with first round leaders because all he needs to do is find that little bit of form that little spark with a putter on a a Thursday and often his ball striking is good enough to to see him put that low round in but uh, I went for Jason Kokrak um, top six uh, each way and he finished in the tie for seventh left uh, 
Bradley alone and uh, of course he was uh, two shots clear after the Thursday um, at 70 to 1 as well for a first round leader punt and Bradley that was um, a disappointing miss I must say so probably the most compelling setup for him in terms of previous uh, first round leader form of the course and incoming first round leader form yeah and yeah we're all very familiar with that the one week where you probably should really stay on it where it makes the most sense you're like i can't keep backing this thing that keeps failing and you just drop off it and (laughs) of course yeah it comes and bites you squarely on the backside yeah i mean we laugh every time we put matt every up yeah this is true (laughs) but you know it it has worked and this is it this is the thing with auto bets it's like you just do it don't you well yeah um, yeah, I mean, I take it you're going to be backing Seamus Power this week, Barry, first round leader. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw that he. Uh, I saw on a case of the golf last night, Monday Q, um, mm. tweeted about it, and I went, oh, that's very interesting. Extra compelling reason to back it. So I'm now hunting the markets to to get a price for it. And uh, shout out to Nagels Bagels, who's been um, chasing me on Twitter to make sure I have the bet on. So nice one, for, <laughs> nice one for the reminder, Nagels. Yeah, I, I saw he was. He went out in twenty nine, I think, didn't he? And, uh, and and topped the Monday queue. So yeah, he's he's coming in with some uh, some flying form. Interesting to see his price because um, clearly he's, he's going to be added late to the field or added today to the field. So. Oh, they'll do something annoying like seventy to one or no, no, you get a good three figures about him. I hope so. Seamus Power back in twenty nineteen, the last time they played at Quail Hollow. By the way, Barry, just to. He went out in the fourth last group Sunday with Paul Casey. He shot 69, 68, 69, and he was four back of Max Homer and Jason Duffner and Joel Damon, who were joint leaders. So Power clearly likes Quail Hollow. He'll be, he'll be a bet for the main events now as well. The, uh, he ob- makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're jumping here, but he makes a lot of sense because he's long off the tee. And yeah. he, he's got a lot of um, you know a lot of high apex on his um, on his approach play, so he's perfect really for Quail Hollow. So yes, uh, but Mester uh, was was that was he on your radar at all, or didn't yeah. didn't enter any kind of thought process? No, no, he was um, he. There was, you know, we talked about the, or you, you guys, in my absence, talked about the, uh, the setup for the course last week and par fives and par threes, and um, he popped on some of the par three numbers that I looked at last week. Um, clearly, he's long off the tee. I just, I'd looked at his most recent form coming in and his, uh, you know, how he, how he was striking the ball, and I, it just, just didn't quite fit for me. I, I. Just preferred some others. Um, but yeah, he was kind of in that second tier of uh, consideration last week, but I left him alone. And um, yeah, he just he, he just combined a decent uh, week from tee to green with um, the kind of putting week that you know you can get from him. Um, he can putt Bermuda. We've seen it before in the Middle East, and um, he, he well he, he led the driving distance stats, which gave him access to um, to all of those par fives that uh, were on show last week. Um, led the field for strokes gained tee to green and putted well. It's that's a pretty potent combination which you need if you're going to produce a 25 under total like you did last week. Um, you need to be setting yourself up for a massive opportunities, a lot of red numbers, and uh, have the capability to convert them. So yeah, he ran out uh, easy winner in the end, didn't he? Five strokes, fantastic final round of uh, 62, flawless uh, nine under to to close the. 
closed the deal. Um, just his second pit, uh, European Tour event as well that he's won. So, you know, he's, he's probably better than that. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I can't I can't say I missed him because, I, you know, I, I, it wasn't one, you know, he wasn't last off the list, but he was certainly a consideration. I'll, I'll just run through this for you guys and for the listeners. I'm going back to Max Homer, Riviera. Um, these are the T to green rank, T to green ranks of the PJ Tour winners since Homer, the week or the outing before they won. He was seventeenth. Grace was fourteenth. Um, I'm missing Deschambeau out. He was thirty fourth. We then jumped to um, Justin Thomas thirteenth. Matt Jones was ninetieth, so he breaks it. But we got Joel Damon twenty four, Matt Suama twenty four. Stuart Sink, 13, Sam Burns, 12. T to green, the outing before they won. So let's count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's seven of the last nine PJ Tour winners within the top 25 T to green the week before they won. That's a definite, definite trend. Yeah, yeah, it makes and sense. One that I, the one that I have concentrated on this week for Quail Hollow. Yeah, yeah, well, strokes gain two to green. It looked like a good indicator for uh, for for last week and also for this week and coming at uh, Canary Islands Championship as well. So uh, perhaps a bit of correlation across the pair of events this week. There's also recently a huge, huge correlation: strokes gained approach. Um, that that previous outing, Homer eleventh, Grace twelfth, Justin Thomas second, Damon twenty third, Spieth sixth. Matsuama was 18th with a, for approach the week before he won the Masters, 5th for Stuart Sink at the Masters before he won the RBC, and Sam Burns was 24th for strokes gained on approach at Heritage before he won the Valspar. So there you go. Something I I'm, have been looking for. Is there anything else we want to mention about last week? I know it's a packed show, and I know that um, Barry and I rambled for far too long last week, so we need to make this show a bit more succinct. Are you guys happy to move on? Let's crack on. Wells Fargo Championship. I've been mentioning this for a while, haven't I, Barry? A couple of weeks. For me, this is the perfect warm-up event for the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks' time. Um, And, as we suspected, it is loaded. It is a fantastic tournament. I'll go in. Um, I'll go in alphabetical order. Cant. I mean, of the big names: Cantlay, Connors, Deshambo, T4, Tony, Fleetwood, Sung J M, who I hate now, Shane Lowry. Uh, that might be a bit strong. Uh, Rory McIlroy. I'm going to be fascinated to see what Rory does this week. Uh, uh, we got Wacky Neiman, John Rahm, Patrick Reed, Xander, uh, Webb Simpson, who lives on the course. Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, and Will Zalatoris. We've also got Victor Hovland, who comes in fantastic form as well. So at the top of the uh, top of the betting boards, it's pure quality. Um, Homer's defending. Uh, we've got Anser, Brian Harmon, Cameron Tringali, who you can have at thirty-three to one this week on Cameron. Jason Day's playing. It's a fantastic, fantastic field. Now, that's not out of the untoward. We know that Quail Hollow hosted the 2017 PGA Championship. It's won, you know, 
It's one of the most respected golf courses in the United States. It's probably not as old as you think, actually. Um, it's not you know, one of these really seriously old style golf courses, but um, it's a it's a George Cobb um, design from the sixties, I believe, and it's had twenty thirteen and twenty sixteen Tom Fazio redesigns. I classify it within my Tom Fazio statistics. If you want to know within the last five years who's played best on Fazio designs and Fazio redesigns, there is a variable within our predictor model which actually breaks that particular statistic down, which is very useful, especially when we give it to you completely free of charge, a golf betting system. Um, a classical golf course, 7,521 yards in length. I need to amend the preview because it's saying 7,554 on there, Paul. 7,521 yards, it's been shortened slightly. Um, they've taken some of the distance of it out of a par 4 I think from memory but it plays as a par 71 it's a you know, 7,500 yard par 71 yep. that is long yep. Yep. No, no, real out, no real altitude at play either Bermuda grass rough overseeded with perennial ryegrass it's 2 inches, it's not overly long the greens themselves, 6,578 square feet on average. They feature G12 champion Bermuda grass, overseeded with POA trivialis. So we've got another Bermuda overseed POA golf course this week. Yeah, we've, honestly, had, we've had lots of them recently. We have, yeah. I, did, I saw tweeted yesterday, it's around about a 50-50 mix as well. So I know on some of these overseeded events that we've had recently, it's been closer to kind of 80, 20, 90, 10 in terms of Bermuda over power. But uh, this looks, according to the course superintendent, was closer to 50-50 this week. So Interesting. Mm. When you've got my um, anal retentative in terms of agronomy. <laughs> yeah. um, a course that features champion Bermuda grass just pulling pulling golf courses out of the back of my mind. I believe um, Southwind. And I also think Champion Bermuda Grass, Wyndham Championship, Sedgefield Country Club. Again, Carolina golf course. A lot shorter than this, but Carolina in um, location, Carolina in nature, tree-lined, lots of dog legs. It's a beautiful golf course, this. Absolutely beautiful. Um, the key to it, when you look at... Shorter players can contend here. There's, you know, we had Joel Damon in the mix last time that we played this. Um, you know, very neat high GIR players can definitely contend. Jason Duffner was tied for the lead. He was interesting last week as well. Duff bag. He was a lot more prominent. Um, his tee to green game last week was phenomenal. But again, I think he was like 147th out of 154 strokes game putting. Um, if the putter actually warms for Duffner, he's not a million miles away at all. His tee to green game is absolutely fantastic. But the fact of the matter is here at Quail Hollow, yeah, this golf course, you can't say it's like Augusta National because nothing's like Augusta National. But the length of it, the tree line nature of it, there are similarities, and and you know you just look at Phil Mickelson, who's never won here, but you know played brilliantly here, consistently. Jason Day's a winner here. Um, 
Ricky Fowler's one here. He's he's finished runner-up at Augusta. You know, Rory McIlroy won his first ever PGA Tour title here. There are lots, you know, well, to be fair, it's elite players and clearly elite players can play at a Quail Hollow and an Augusta National um, just as well. The thing that I have noted here in my research, if you look at the last three winners here, since they did this Tom Fazio redesign for the PGA Championship and turned it into a par 71, Justin Thomas, the year he won the PGA Championship, was ranked ninth for driving distance as he arrived at the golf course. Um, 19th was the ranking for Jason Day for driving distance. And Max Homer in 2019, he was in the top 50 for driving distance as he arrived here in Car- you know, in North Carolina. So for me, driving distance, pure, you know, total power off the tee and distance to apex, which is another stat that we always look at at Augusta, isn't it? You know, they're absolutely key this week if you're looking for a winner. I don't think... I mean, I, I could never have picked Homer. He was 500 to 1 winning this in 2019. Yeah, and he had no course form of any description either, did he come into it? He had no course form. The thing that you might have grabbed onto was at the Valero Texas Open, the time that... Uh, the outing before he won this. He was second for strokes going off the tee. And he was in the top 20, again, for strokes gain T to green. So as a 500 to 1 shot, there were far worse shouts than Max Homer. Um, but average winning price of this tournament is also interesting. Um, it seems a little bit of one of these courses that's feast or famine. Uh, Homer 500 to 1. Jason Day was a 20 to 1 shot. I would have thought he would have been top 3, 4 in the betting. Uh, James Harm was 500 to 1 in 2016. I think he came off six or seven straight missed cuts, James yeah, Harm. Yeah, typical James that, Harm in yeah, coming form. Standard, isn't it? It's just trends so hard. <laughs> I think um, he was in a kind of head to head with Roberto Castro, of all people, that year, and um, Justin Rose. And then you get Rory McElroy, who won here in 2015, his second victory here at Quail Hollow coming off of a top eight finish the week before at the Players' Championship. He was 7-2 to two favourite. JB Holmes at 66-1 to one was interesting. He, he just kind of... His form was kind of Keegan Bradley-esque, if you see what I mean. He'd been playing golf, good golf for quite a while, but disappointing on Sundays. Uh, and as we know with JB... Yeah, just phenomenal power off the tee. 66 to 1 he won here in 2014. And then, you know, he probably the most crazy winner of the lot, Derek Ernst in 2013. Yeah, yeah whatever that. whatever happened to Derek Ernst, 500 to 1. That's Prior to that ring, that is the there are some mad winners. I mean, Harm, Homer. I know it sounds crazy now saying home is a crazy winner, but it was at the time. He was, was at the time. It was a surprise, you know. Five hundred to one caught everybody out. Homer Hahn Ernst all at five hundred to one, and we had Ricky Fowler. I was on Ricky that year, 2012, 50 to one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And Ricky Fowler, just harking back to Fowler's win, because you don't get many of them, do you, Baron? So you might as well focus on the ones that he's had, he has had. <laughs> there are five in the PGA Tour. It's there not are. that bad a career. <laughs> Not. That was Ricky's first ever win on the PGA Tour, and he had finished New Orleans the week before, 
third for strokes gained off the tee, and third for tee to green. So he finished in the top 10 the week. 50 to 1, looking back, was a fantastic prize. There have been signs recently, haven't there? I mean, his last Ricky. outing, I noted, he was yeah. in the top 25 tee to green again at TPC San Antonio. Little, little bits of things to get you... Paying attention, I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of, I might. I might have a first round leader bet on him this week. Yep. 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 I can see a lot of sense in that. Yeah. Now, I've, seen, I've seen him call, put up this week, so clearly there's mm, some uh, some interest in him. There will. I mean, it's a decent, a decent enough price, isn't it? This golf course, it boils down to the par fives. I'll just read these through. This was Max Homer when he won par three, par four, par five split. He he totaled fifteen under. Level on the threes, six under on the fours, and nine under on the fives. Jason Day, even on the threes, minus three on the fours, nine under on the fives, 12 under total. And Justin Thomas at the PGA Championship, one over on the threes, two under on the fours, which I think that week was leading, two under on the fours, and seven under on the fives, eight under. But you can go back to Hahn, McElroy, and Holmes. They all... Uh, Harm was nine under on the fives. McElroy was thirteen under on the fives, as you would expect. Back this, this was back when it was a seventy-two, so sixteen looks at the fives. And uh, Holmes was ten under the year he won out for fourteen under total. So par five scoring, and pretty much, if you if you can squeak anything under par across all the fours and level par on the threes, you're not going to be a million miles away. It's a great golf course. I think it is the ideal prep for the PGA Championship. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you said, there's a good few names out there as well. And it'd be fascinating to see how some of these guys uh, guys have progressed, particularly Rory, um, how he's uh, how he's getting on with his uh, with his new co- coaching regime, and clearly going back to Kiwa Island in a couple of weeks. Um, he'll be wanting to find some form this week. So uh, one one that I'll be watching very closely. I must say. McElroy is a trend breaker. McElroy always will be. Um, if, if it's clicked, if he's found something, he's in the, if he's in the right mental space, he's blocked out the media, he's blocked out all the bad, bad negative side of his game, you can't say that 20 to 1 with Bet365 is a bad price on Rory McElroy at this golf course that he's won twice. Yeah, I saw, I saw that 20 to 1. This morning, um, he's been pushed out a little bit, hasn't he? Um, it's starting to get to a point where it's tempting, regardless of what we've seen over the last uh, last few months. I, you know me, the tra- the trackers, the trackers are available in the preview. Um, I haven't found Rory in one skill set over the last eight weeks, and I don't think I can ever remember that. Uh, I've been mentioning for a while that I think this is the tournament he's likely to win, so I haven't backed him. So if I were you, I'd run Tom. <laughs> I, he's cert- R- Rory is certainly not my fade of the week. Put it that way. I, I give you about three to four minutes, Steve, when somebody else is talking on the pod for you to nip onto Betfair and put a be- uh, back Rory. There's no way you don't back him this week now. Well, I backed, I backed Griot last week. That, well, as, that, yeah. as, as, my, as my trade of the week, that went well. When yeah, he was, yeah. I vert- you when, he was when he was he was tight was he tied second after Thursday, he realised what he was doing and then missed the cut. I mean that is Emiliano Grio to a T. 
got altitude sickness early on. <laughs> altitude sickness on a Friday. Yeah, uh, Friday morning. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah absolutely. Brilliant. I think I think Emiliano hits the eternal fade uh, category for me. That's it. I followed you on it. It made sense, and I watched it. Uh, you watched it crumple. Yeah. So, uh, if we look at the last three winners here, so since it's been a par seventy-one. Uh, and we look at the tournament skill averages. So traditional stats, driving distance 12th. See, I told you, driving distance 12th, uh, the average over the last three winners here. Accuracy 52nd, greens in regulation 34th. It's certainly not a greens in regulation grind, this. Proximity to hole 34th, scrambling 11th, have to have a short game, putting average. Uh, this is rare. First. So they topped putting average the week they won. That's across JT, Jason Day and Max Homer. If you look at it from a strokes game perspective, you very rarely see that. One course going back into the real distant vacuum of my mind. I think Kapaloo is very similar. You've literally got to have the hottest of hot sticks the week that you win on the plantation course. Uh, strokes gained tournament skill averages. Strokes gained off the T twentieth. Strokes gained on approach twenty sixth. Strokes gained around the green again. So you know level. You know scrambling eleventh. Strokes gained around the green fifteenth. Strokes gained T to green eleventh. And it's very rare you see this. Strokes gained putting second. So strokes gained putting outranks strokes gained T to green over the past three renewals here that's pretty crazy stuff and actually if i just read that out i'm looking i'm looking through my pile of statistics here um max homer 1.863 strokes gained t to green per round he was 12th in 2019 he gained 2.472 strokes gained putting per round so you know 0.6 of Strokes gain more with the flat stick than with the rest of his game. And that's exactly the same with Jason Day going back to 2018. He was 1.857 strokes gained T to green per round and over two strokes gained with the putter. So for whatever reason, you've got to be a very, very progressive putter the week that you win here. And that, of course... If there's one statistic that's by far the most ferocious uh, and the most volatile, it's strokes game putting. Yeah, that's probably harder to call who will lead strokes game putting this week than actually who will win the tournament. Yeah. It feels that random. Yeah, it can be. I mean, there's been loads of winners this year when you know they were literally 144th for putting the week before, and then they go and win yeah, and the one, second strokes the one, putting the week they win. Yeah, the one caveat I'll mention though is there's been a few trend busters this year in terms of the long time trend, long term trends for yeah, particular yeah. tournaments. So, it's, uh, look at the Hideki Matsuyama. There you go. That was a trend buster. So yeah. Um, I want power, 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 high ball flight. And based upon recent outcomes, I've focused heavily on people that are hitting the ball very close on their last outing and also driving the ball well. And it's funny, I mean, I've got a quote here from Max Homer when he won here at 500 to 1. He basically said, 
I've been driving it pretty far and very straight for the last few weeks. I just haven't been chipping well and haven't really made any putts. And now this week, all of a sudden, the putts are going in. <laughs> and you can kind of see that from the stats that I read out, didn't I? You know, he was second for off the tee on his previous outing and 19th for tee to green. And he was something crazy, like 140-something putting. Yeah. And suddenly they start to... Uh, and then suddenly they, they start to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with the best will in the world, I'm going to struggle to find a 500 to 1 winner. I mean, I, find, I struggle to find a winner in most weeks, but <laughs> there were there were a few names there that you could throw some interest at. Um, I'll just, Christopher Ventura, he, he's long off the tee. I know that he played well with Hovland a few weeks ago in New Orleans. Um, that's the kind of player that I think could go around here. Joseph Bramlett is long, straight, terrible putter. Seems to completely collapse when he's anywhere near the top of a leaderboard. So I'm not so sure about Bramlett, but the game kind of fits. There's a guy here called Michael Gligic, Canadian, I believe. He's a 500 to 1 shot, 400 to 1 with eight places. He, again, is very long, very straight, excellent approach player. Um, there was also you know, Will Gordon. And one that we saw, I can't remember where it was, but it was this season and he finished second. Brandon Haggy? Yeah. He's another one. Very, very long, excellent ball striker when he's on form. I think Haggy, I from memory, was a top 20 here on the first time he played this golf course. Yeah, I think 18th or something like that. Is, uh, the, I mean, if you're looking for bombs, I'm just throwing bombs at you. Haggy, Haggy's another one that kind of ticks a lot of boxes. Tyler McCumber's another. I always look at McCumber. Again, high GIR when he's on it. Very long, very high ball flight. McCumber. He's quite visual on my strokes gained and my um, my traditional statistic, predict uh, t- eight-week trackers, McCumber. Haven't tipped him. What about, uh, what about Ted Potter, if he can find an extra 20 yards off the tee? 20? <laughs> More like 100. <laughs> He shot 63 on Saturday last week. He did. He was, uh, what was he, fourth going into the final day? 500 the to trouble, one The trouble with our friend TBJ is he's playing far too well to win. Again, he's another James Hahn. It's 18 missed cuts, and then TPJ tips in at 600 to 1. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's made the, fight, made the cut a few times around here, so... Um... I don't know. 500 to 1. And the other one, not quite that kind of... Price and that caught the eye. Going back to your point about Augusta, um, was seating like Pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hundred and fifty to one. Um, yeah. yeah, seventh back at Augusta in November. Third quite recently at the Honda as well. So you know, whilst again there are a lot of missed cuts in there, he's clearly shown some contending form in the relatively recent time. I know this went down last week. You weren't here, Paul, but um, you were nursing your son in A and E, but. Mm. I'll take you through top 12 strokes gain T to green of my eight-week trackers, okay? This is the last eight weeks, and it includes the Masters. Griot at 12, Wallace 11, Brian Harmon 10, Anser 9. We've got a tie for 7th with Bryson DeChambeau and Cameron Tringali. Four, Keegan Bradley. Brad, you know, Barry said he's been playing golf, from, you know, and he has. It's top draw stuff from Bradley. Fourth, Shane Lau- tied with Shane Lowry. Three Corey Connors, 
two John Rahm, one Justin Thomas. And if you're looking for top 12 strokes game putting, because, you know, putting's important here. Not that this is going to have any relevance at all, I don't think. But 12 is Keziah and Zalatoris. 10, Matt Jones, JT Poston. 9, Michael Thompson, who I've been kind of around recently. Don't think he's got the game for here, mind. 6, Ty, Sung Yul No. John Rahm and Vincent Whaley. Four, uh, five is Camillo Vijegas, who played again well again last week. Four, Brendan Steele. Three, Denny McCarthy, who just sits in the top 12 of that stat. Two is Joaquin Neiman, who's a bit of a surprise. You'd have thought he'd be better on the tee to green than the putting, but he's putting brilliantly. And number one, Brian Harmon. Right. Fade of the week, yeah? <laughs> this is by far the most difficult fade of the week that I've faced since we started doing this. I'm going to say Justin Thomas. He's not putting well. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go all in on the top of the market. Well, I can see some fireworks coming in a minute. I wasn't asking you. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I will not take it back. I'm sticking with it. Well, I've tipped JT. Four points to win. 11 to 1. This is a this is a beautiful matchup. <laughs> <laughs> if I was taking any, uh, I mean, Ram Ram statistically ticks every book every week he plays. I've got a horrible feeling, Desham. You know what Deshambo's like. He can just turn up and uh, you know you, this golf course is perfect for Deshambo. And be, before Deshambo was beefed up, I think he finished in the top three here the year that day won. I'll just check that. Yeah, he came fourth. Jason Day won from Aaron Wise and Nick Watney. You can get that. And Bryson DeChambeau was fourth. Phil Mickelson was a tie fifth with Paul Casey and Peter Uline. I mean, again, Peter Uline, it just shows you, doesn't it? It's just power. It's just pure, it's power. I don't know. I suppose the one at the top of the market, I, I can't fade Rory. I just think I, I, I'm going to upset Nagel's Bagels, but Xander maybe? after the kind of potential disappointment of coming close to winning the Masters. Can Xander raise his game to win this? You know, he hasn't won for a period of time, has he, Xander? Does he win this, the Wells Fargo? Potentially, but yeah, I think I might throw Xander in there. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean... And Out of the top five. It's a good shout because you know with the PGA, so close, Xander's yeah. focus is going to be there and not so much here. He's... The other thing is, I don't think Xander plays the Byron Nelson next week, unless he's a late entry. So, as you say, yeah, this literally, this is Xander honing in for the PGA in two weeks. Mm. So, maybe I think I'd fade Xander. So, he'll win his first tournament for two years or something. Now, I've gone JT. The, the guy was absolutely unbelievable last week from tee to green. And yes, he couldn't putt. Couldn't make a putt. I mean... The 18th hole on Sunday, when you're sitting there watching it, was a prime example. He stiffed it to, what, four feet, four and a half feet on the 18th and then missed the putt. I mean, that was JT last week. But the thing with him is, he's, we all kind of know with him, it, it, he either putts well or he doesn't. And I just get the feeling that this week is something... It was interesting, after the round on Sunday, he, it, he wasn't asked this... But he all of a sudden brought out the fact that he's now 
actively chasing down Dustin Johnson to be world number one. I'm still behind DJ for number one in the world, and that's what I'm chasing down right now. He actually came out with that. It wasn't a question. He just It just spurted out. And I just think this week, two weeks before a major championship, where we know that some players are just going to arrive to tinker with their games and make sure everything's right for Kiro Island. I like JT. 15 PGA Tour victories and... 2018, he won the WGC Bridgestone the week before the PGA Championship. And last year, he ran the 2020 WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational the week before the PGA Championship. So if he's turning up, he's turning up to win, I think, this week. So yeah, four points win, 11 to 1, JT for me. All about the putter, isn't it? As you say, the rest of his game looks absolutely spot on. So... um... What's it? You know, has has he cracked that in the uh, intervening days? We shall we shall see. This, this was this was the number that grabbed me because I've been talking about JT and his driving all year. He was first for strokes gained off the tee last week. First for approach, first tee to green, fourth for greens and reg. But it was that first for off the tee, and that was with him from day one. I think he was first or second off the tee in round one. So it wasn't wasn't something that he he was literally just driving the ball long and brilliantly from the very outset, and I just think if JT can get himself into you know the positions in fairways with the distance that he's got, he's not the longest, but he's more than ample. I I just I think JT's the guy to be on at the top. I still have a horrible feeling that Rory McIlroy will just appear like a phoenix from the flames and be a real. I mean, if there's one course in America that is his favourite course, it's got to be this one. Anyway, the other one I took at the very top of the market, well, not the top as such, I mean, he's a 10th or something favourite. In fact, he's in the top 12, was Will Zalatoris. And what, you know, what we know with Will is, he's a, you know, Anthony Kim, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, three high-profile players who all won their maiden PGA Tour victories at this tournament. If Will Zalatoris joined that list, would you blink an eye? No, it no. wouldn't be remotely no. surprising after what we saw him do at Augusta. Yeah. The week after Augusta at Harbortown, that, that golf course, Harbortown, is probably one of the most unsuitable golf courses for Will Zalatoris. Tight, claustrophobic. He's power off the tee, high ball flight. And I don't know if you noticed, I mentioned him in the top 12 for strokes game putting over the last eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's big for him because you, you look back to his stats, you know, just before he really started to make the headlines over the last few weeks and months. Uh, it was Disgusting much more about putter. greens and regulation. Yeah, you know, mm. he, he was hitting a mass of greens and just converting nothing. So. Um, clearly been putting some work in on the putting greens. So yeah, Zalatoris. I mean, he just that was that runner up to uh, Hideki Matsuama. That takes you back to Jordan Spieth twenty fourteen, doesn't it? Because yeah. Spieth did that. Indeed, it, it's very, very, very rare at Augusta National. So yeah, I like Zalatoris. I like Zalatoris a lot. 33 to 1 was the first price of the day yesterday on Paddy Power, and I was salivating. By the time we got to press, 28 to 1 I took on the eight places with Ladbrokes on Will Zalatoris. 
I'm just looking now. We're recording this Tuesday, 8.30 UK time in the morning. Um, there's some 25s out there. Boils are 22 to 1, but they are 10 places each way. Uh, best price you'll get on Zalatoris is 30 to 1 with Bet365, just five places each way. I caught the odd standard, industry standard on those guys. Is there anyone at the top that you two have gone for, or towards the top eh, top echelons of the leaderboard, uh, betting board run? Uh, no, personally, no. I, I've, my, I've, I've only backed three, two of which I've mentioned, Ted Potter and... Um... You have backed Ted Potter? Absolutely. Well, on the basis Mate. of his uh, third round last week, yeah, absolutely. Wow. I think he can come from nowhere. If, if 500 to 1 shots have won, what, three out of the last eight or nine, whatever the number was that you read through, then Ted's the uh, Ted's the one for me. T- Ted and C.T. Pan. The other one um, I've backed um, is Carl Stanley at 200 to 1. Um, actually, follows quite a bit of the logic that you said with um, with Max Homer because he he performed well at the Texas Open. He was fourth into the weekend. His mm. his uh, strokes gained approached or strokes strokes gained tee to green looked good. Thirty um, ninth last week at the Val Spa. He was eighteenth for strokes strokes gained putting. He actually gained. Get this, Carl Stanley gained four strokes putting last week. Jeez, <laughs> calm, <laughs> down. calm down, Kyle. <laughs> calm down. Which uh, yeah, I, that's that's an eye opener for me. Um, and he gets some is, really is good. A, how many people are Brad? Is Brad Fax and T Tutor in yeah, these yeah. days? It, it seems to be like two hundred and fifty. I'm I'm just making up. Maybe maybe he put a phone call into Brad. It's, uh, something's something's gone right. It, it, it clearly he putted well last. He actually putted well last time he was here back in 2019. He was eighth for putting average. Finished eighth overall, thirteenth overall the year before. So, gets on with Quail. Um, strong tee to green game with his games on, and found something miraculous with a putter. So, uh, for a two hundred to one shot, that's good enough for me. So, I, I may well leave it there. I may have a little dabble on Rory um, at twenty to one. That is starting to get tempting. Um, to answer your question near the top of the board, but no, I haven't backed him yet. Barry. What about you, Barry? You must be floating. Where, where are you? Where are you staking your um, your flag this week? I'm not. I'm not at the moment. Nothing up the top of the market is particularly shouting out to jump on that versus the others. Um, like Ram was always very obvious. Very curious to see how Rory shows up this week. So I think I might grab a little first round leader on Rory just for because he could just come out of the blocks after three weeks off. You know. Oh um, man. Yeah, you know, Paul was talking about yeah. obvious first round leader bets. I mean, Rory McIlroy, Quail. It's just like yeah, yeah. It um, and he's thirty to one for that. So wow. Yeah, it was kind of nice enough to catch my eye. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do, Rory. I'll, I I won't back it, Barry, just so that you can win that bet. Yeah, appreciate it. You you <laughs> should you should you should charge me like a percentage to yeah, not I back my do, bets. Yeah. Not, like not that's back, yeah. I think that's, that's the way very, to very 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 true. <laughs> a facilitation <laughs> fee. <laughs> um, Seamus Power, I'll be backing first round leader and outright when he comes up fully on the markets and. Shane Lowry I'm keeping an eye on I think I might have a, just a little nibble just to keep him there I think something's going to pop like it's it's coming for Shane and I hope and those stats you know, he's top, was he top four in my eight week tracker for strokes going tee to green yeah he's yeah, he, he's, he's good. coming he is and so hopefully it goes all the way into a win so I kind of feel like I should stick with it for now um, I've backed him a couple of times recently and then just to wrap up while 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 I'm flowing, um, Charles Schwartzel. Yeah, 
He was the last one off my tip, so you've done well there. 125 to 1. Uh, the irons are really firing well. Um, driver wasn't amazing last week, but he's you know he's coming to a course with slightly wider fairways, and yes, he needs to find a putter. But that's you know you got to build that. That's built into your one price of one twenty five to one. It's like he's not going to have everything absolutely spot on in the stats, but uh, yeah, he's felt, certainly got that Augusta link, hasn't he? Yeah, I felt like yeah, I felt like very nice odds. I think he just he got bumped down the odds board because of the quality at the top this week. I'll tell you a course that I think really translates well to here, Phoenix. JB Holmes has won here, and he's won twice at Phoenix. Ricky Fowler's won here, he's won at Phoenix. Justin Thomas has won here, he's finished runner-up at Phoenix. Max Homer was sixth there this year. So there's a lot of crossover between Phoenix, TPC Scottsdale and here. Lucas Glover's another, he's finished runner-up there in the past. He's won here in 2011. That took me to Bubba Watson. I think Bubba Watson's playing some really nice stuff at the moment. I was totally cheesed off because Betfred came out after we um, released the uh, content last night. And they, they seem to be releasing their tips like five hours after the rest, don't they? Their, their prices. Oh, prices yeah. 70 to 1 right now on Bubba Watson, eight places each way with Betfred. I've managed to take him at 55s, eight places. I, th- I just think he's trending very nicely, Bubba. And he was second here in 2009. And whisper it, he's actually putting half decent. 22nd in this field, he ranks last eight weeks, strokes game putting. He seemed to turn it round at the match play when he was playing phenomenal stuff and then got beaten by seven straight birdies by Brian Harmon. I think Watson was four up in that and ended up losing because Harmon reeled off seven yeah, straight but birdies. Yeah, I, I remember remember looking at the score when he was literally four up and thinking, well, that, that's... Yeah, wrapped that, wrap that up. And, uh... Yeah, job done. 26th at the Masters, 8th at the Zurich Classic when he was playing with Scotty Scheffler and 13th last week at the Valspar. I know he plays well at, at, at Cobhead. Um... But that was pretty firm, yeah. You know, for for Bubba, that was pretty firm come the weekend, and you know, he was still hanging around. Um, and the other thing I like about him, he, he he's he's got to be motivated right now because he's I think he's fifty eighth in the world. The U.S. Open cutoffs coming in a couple of weeks' time, and he has played every major since the twenty ten Open. So to drop out of the world's top 60, and not, I know that the US Open will never be a tournament that Bubba wins, but not to play a major, I just think that must be playing on his mind and it's making him focus because the golf's a lot better at the moment. I just think Quail, the way that you can shape the ball about power off the tee, you know, he's hitting, the, and that's the thing with Bubba, you look at his numbers right now, and you just look at when Bubba's been at his pomp, it's just strokes going off the tee is phenomenal. And it seems to be getting back to somewhere close to his best. He's, he's, he's hitting the ball beautifully right now. So I've got Bubba at a point each way, 55 to 1 with Paddy Power. I threw defending champion Max Homer in there. I mean, it's fairly obvious. Homer at 35 to 1. Um, one of the biggest regrets of my season to date was getting a couple of, well, at least three sentences through a Max Homer tip at the Genesis Invitational and then scrapping it. 
I have no idea who I replaced him with, but uh, he didn't win. But Homer, yeah, I think Homer makes tons of sense. And the other one, the last one that I went with, a player that's been playing well, he's English, he's right on the fringes of the world top 50. Yeah, it's like, it's he's managed that third place that he got at the Valero Texas Open, Matt Wallace. That's kind of got his card for next season. But I don't think Matt Wallace thinks in terms of keeping PGA Tour cards as a goal. I think he's got far higher um, goals than that. But sixth at Bay Hill, third at Bethpage Black in the PGA Championship 2019, and he's had a fourth at Muirfield Village in 2020. Classical golf courses, long golf courses. I see his game fitting here. I really do. Third at, San, uh, at the Valera Texas Open. 34th when I was on board at the Masters. He didn't play badly, he just putted. Some of the putts there would he seemed to be putting missing putts by eight to ten feet the, the wrong side, and that can happen when you don't know the greens intimately at Augusta. And then he was um he fired in two rounds of sixty-five at the RBC Heritage. He was fourth going into Sunday. So he's playing some really nice stuff, Matt Wallace. And I don't know, I, I, I might be talking completely out of turn out of school here, but Matt Wallace for me is the kind of player that I think could potentially be a Ryder Cupper if he can string some decent results together on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think so. He's um, He's been that kind of bubble boy on the top 50, hasn't he? World rankings for, for a period of time. Six, yeah, six, nine months or so now. And uh, he's kind of hovered between 48th and 52nd for, for that period of time and uh, treading water. But he's, he's better than that. He, he just needs to get himself a little bit further yeah. up. Uh, you know, guarantee himself into all of the big events, and um, he'll give himself a great chance of uh, of ma- making the automatic qualification for the Ryder Cup if he can notch a win or two over the next few months. So, um, I would love him in our Ryder Cup team because he's yeah. got the right stuff. Yeah, he's uh, very focused and very um, very competitive. Um, yeah. All I, I noted, all I noted with Wallace was he was thirteenth for strokes gained tee to green at the RBC Heritage last time out, and he was first for strokes gained tee to green at that Valero Texas Open. So his game right now is on it. Sixty six to one. Yeah, I can see Wallace being in the mix. You know, he, he won't be. I, I I wouldn't have thought he's focusing on the PJ Challenger. He's focusing on here and now. And this is a big opportunity this week. I really think it is. So those are my five. Wallace, Watson, Homer, Zalatoris and JT win only. I cut you off, Barry. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was saying I prefer a slightly more refined version of Wallace. Like it, He's clearly searching for that secret to help him jump to the next level. The game is... You know, the golf swing's great and... There's just some factor missing in the makeup there to add those couple of percentage points to get yeah, that what leap do you, what up. Do you, I, I mean, you watch a lot of golf. What do you think it is? I mean, statistically, at the moment, it's his putting. Yeah, I, I, it's, it seems like it's just a head. He's, he seems to have chilled himself out on the course a little bit more uh, the last while. So that seems to be a good thing. But... Again, kind of like maybe like John Ram in the early days, like Ram always had the fury and still has it, but uses it in maybe a more constructive way these days rather than just yeah. destructive. And that yeah. that could be that little factor that Wallace um, that helps push him up that that neck to that elite level. And 
maybe gets him in the Ryder Cup. He's searching for it and he's working for it. So, um, and he'd he'd be awful to play against in in match play because he's just he, he's just one of those dogged, gritty guys that you just you, you wouldn't fancy playing against. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, from what I've seen of the coverage on the PGA Tour recently, and when you see Matt Wallace, he seems that relationship now with Gareth Lord seems a lot healthier than these mm. had with previous caddies. Mm-hmm. I think he listens to Lord a hell of a lot more, and I think that's starting to come through in his results. So hopefully, yeah, it can click this week. Right, well, I think we need to crack onto the Canary Islands Championship. We do indeed. Yeah, let's try. Do you I'll want try to crack wrap, on, Matt? Yeah, I'll try and wrap it up in fifteen or so. Um, so we've got the final part of our three-week stint in the uh, Canary Islands this week, and we're staying at the Costa Adige Golf for the second consecutive week, um, having seen it for the first time last week. And um, the field's cut down a bit to, uh, I think it's 132 players this week, though, from 156. So um, we've lost a few of last week's cast, most of them actually from the top of the market. So um, we've lost the likes of Rosner Schwab, uh, Yost Loughton's gone, he picked up an injury last week and withdrew. Um, JB Hansen, Kirk Kitchiyama, Max Kiefer's gone, uh, Thjorborn Olsen as well. So quite a few of last week's um, contenders, in t- well, at the top of their market at least, have disappeared, which um, given that we've only seen a few players come in, Chris Paisley, Gavin Green, notables, but not many others really, um, it's generally um, deteriorated the quality of the field. So um, that's kind of reflected in where we've got the prices this week. Uh, Garrick Higo, 12 to 1 favourite. Dean Bermester, last week's winner, 18 to 1 in places, generally 16s or shorter. Justin Harding, 20 to 1. Laurie Cantor, 25s. Adrie Arnaus, 25s. And then you know, the likes of um, Sammy Valimaki, Sean Crocker, Victor Duisson, De Buisson even. Uh, Kali Samuya, uh, Guido Migliozzi, 28 to 1. Callum Hill, big letdown for me last week, 30 to 1. And 40 to 1 bar those players that I've just read through. Same course as last week, um, Costa DG Golf, short coastal resort track. You guys uh, did a grand job of taking listeners through the uh, through the details last week. So I won't repeat it all. Um, it's uh, Clearly, we're playing the same track. Um just the basics then. Three miles outside player the Las Americas on Tenerife. No real win this week. There was a little bit last week in places, but no real win. So you got to expect another birdie fest like last week. And uh, um, of course, we got the benefit of last week. When we were going through and when we were previewing last week, we were, we were guessing. We were looking at the 2003 event, which was held here as the only real indicator. And we've got last week's event to give us a little bit of indicator as to how this might play. But um, it actually looks like they've tweaked the setup. So last week, um, they'd um, turned the par par 5 eighth into a long par 4. It looks like they've turned it back to a par 5 for this week. So according to the European Tour website, we're playing a par 72, 6,816 yards, with that quirky setup of six par 3s, six par 4s, and six par 5s. in reality, that par five eight, oh par four eight last week was a par five. You know they just called it for all intents and purposes a par four. And um, as as you've said many a times, Barry, the pars very irrelevant really. Everyone's playing the same holes. Everyone's playing the same course. And if you call a five hundred and twenty five hundred and thirty yard par four a par four or a par five, other than the scorecard, it makes absolutely no difference. So, um, for all intents and purposes, same track as last week. 
uh, wide fairways, Bermuda Greens. Dean Bermesta won at 25 under last week. Uh, Kenny Ferry back in 2003 was 22 under. Um, of course, if they do change, as they've said, the eighth hole back to a par five, it may well make that winning score a little bit deeper. Still, you may get 26, 28, something like that. Um, but we shall see. The, the forecast looks pretty benign. So if anything, I think you might find it's even more scorable than it was last week. Uh, what did we learn last week? Well, Team Bermestri led the driving distance stats um, on the week, which clearly helped him attack the par fives and the, the longer holes. He made 28 birdies and an eagle on the week. He only hit a third of all the fairways, 33% of fairways during the course of the week. So clearly very little penalty for missing the fairways. Um, he hit two thirds of greens and made most of his um, uh, you know, most, most of his score by through his putting and his scrambling. If you look at the strokes gained off the tee, he was third. Strokes gained tee to green, though, he was first. And that stat, that strokes gained tee to green, followed through with a lot of the players at the top end of the, the leaderboard. Uh, Nikolai von Dellingshausen was third tee to green. Adrian Moronk, who finished third, was second tee to green. John Catlin, who finished fifth, was also fifth for strokes gained tee to green. So again, that looks like a fairly strong indicator. Uh, driving distance, just going back to that, Dean Bermester led. John Catlin, Kelly Samuel, who finished fourth and fifth, um, 59th and 66th for, dri- uh, for driving distance. So whilst it helped Bermester get the job done, it clearly isn't the be-all and end-all. You did need to score well in the par fives. The top five averaged 14 under par for the par fives over the course of the four days. And again, that's got to be critical, I think, coming into this. Um, and each of the top five from last week recorded a top five finish or bet or sorry, top 25 finish or better so far in the season today so um, clearly a bit a little bit of form um, okay. you boil it all down you've got to attack the par fives you've got to survive these six par threes strokes going tee to green looks good and ultimately you've got to be putting and scrambling well and making sure that you're maximizing your birdie and eagle scoring and minimizing your bogeys so you can get close to that, what, 25 under or slightly deeper score that may well be required again this week to uh, to win this golf tournament. I'd back four. Um, I'd back the favourite, Garrick Higo. I don't tend to go for favourites, but yeah, again, if you look at the names that have dropped off the list, literally everyone apart from Higo's, um, who, who was towards the top end of the market last week, isn't playing. And that's left him on his own. Um, I was quite keen to back him last week. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd looked at him at the start of the Grand Canaria um, Open the week before and um, thought, yeah, he goes playing well. He's, he's put a decent first round in. Kind of penciled him in to do to, 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 to be as part of my team for Tenerife. And of course, he went and won in Grand Canaria. And I, I, I left him alone on the back of that because it's, it's difficult for these young lads to put two consecutive weeks back to back together. And uh, it was the right decision in the end he finished eighth. But that was slightly, slightly from the wrong side of the draw. And, um, you know, I, I look at it now is he's, he's mentally will be recharged after last week. Um, and in his current form, he's coming in the form of 418. Um, to a course that um, would seem to suit. He's won a couple of times by the coast. Uh, he's won at 25 under. He's won at 19 under. That Portugal, the first the first um, win of his was on a track with five par five. So clearly, again, some correlation there. If you give him 12 attempts at this, how many does he win in this field in his current form? I think he wins at least one out of those 12 and justifies his odds, if not slightly more. So 
Um, quite happy to take to, to take him and uh, and back him accordingly this week. Fifth for par five scoring for the season to date. Tenth for par three scoring. Both strong for this. Sixty sixth in the world rankings now. So he's knocking on the door of that top fifty. He's I was going to say sixty sixth. He'll be so he'll be playing Kia Island in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's knocking on the door of the top fifty just generally. So uh, mm. he's um, he's got a big carrot dangling in front of him. I, I think I think Higo is going to have a really big week this week. I must say. Uh, the other one nearer the top of the market that I backed was Adrian Aus at twenty five to one, and and only eventual winner and Dean Bermester beat Arnaus's, um birdie or par breakers rather last week. Arnaus made twenty eight birdies in total during the course of the week, finishing with two rounds of sixty six over the weekend. Um, and it's a good bounce back to form really. It hadn't been great since a str- he had a strong uh, Middle East stretch earlier in the year, and then kind of went off the boil for a little bit. Um, but now back on home soil seems to be uh, seems to be firing on all cylinders once again. Finished eighth last last week. Um, and and, and if you go back to Burmester, judging by um, his form in the Middle East, he'd got a couple of top four finishes at the DP World Tour Championship at the Earth Course in the past, Burmester. Um, Arnaus, um, his recent form in the desert reads 10th at the Earth Course last year, 12th in Abu Dhabi in that Rolex Series event, clearly much better class than this. Third and ninth over the last two attempts at the Dubai Desert Classic as well. So some good correlation there in terms of uh, Bermesta. Um, he's 21st for par 5 scoring in the season to date, gained over half a stroke every time he's hit a, a par 5 this season. So... Um, again, it kind of all correlates. Seventh for strokes gained tee to green last week. And again, if we look at the players at the top end of last week's leaderboard, that was a stat they really excelled at. So quite happy to take a bit of Adrian Aus. Again, he's another one of these players, a bit like Will Zalatoris in that respect, that if he wins, when he wins, it will be absolutely no surprise whatsoever. Uh, two others are back to each way. Masahiro Karamura, uh, seven places are took on him at 50-1. to one. And um, he's one of these players that um, uh, we've seen do well with these double headers in the past. So we've had um, Cyprus, we've had Kenya, and we've had Celtic Manor. And in Cyprus, he was 34th after the uh, in the first event. He finished second behind Bob McIntyre in the second event, the Cyprus Showdown. 28th last week. I can see him improving again for this week, particularly because he put a couple of really strong rounds in last week. He opened with a 65. He shot 64 on the Saturday, which tied the best round of the day. And he made 26 birdies during the course of the week, 13 under for the par fives and a strong strokes gained tee to green performance. He was 12th on that stat for the week as well. Some decent Bermuda putting stats in the past at the Earth Course um, at Leopard Creek, which has got newly laid Bermuda greens as well. So he makes a lot of sense to me at 50 to 1 in this field, Karamura. And the final one, I've backed Pedro Oriol at 100 to 1 with seven places. And he was one of the eye catchers for me last week at a longer price. And he finished sixth. It was his best career finish on the European Tour, actually. Um, gained him over 300 places in the world ranking as a result of that. He was 11th for strokes gained tee to green, 7th for strokes gained tee to green before that in Austria. So that's clearly his game. Um, I think he can push on again and um, perform well this week in a field that's been weakened, yet you're still getting a three-figure price about him this week. His second best European Tour finish was 8th at the Schwani Open back in 2018. Now bear in mind that Dean Bermesta the only other event that he has won on the European Tour was that Swanee Open on the same track 
in Pretoria the year before. So there could be some correlation there. And uh, ultimately, he should come in with some decent momentum. He was, he was um, four under at the, the um, halfway point last week, just about made the cut, shot 65-64 over the weekend um, to finish in a tie for sixth. Same again, 100 to 1 would be very nice this week indeed in, as I say, a, uh, a reduced quality field. Uh, so they're the four for me, Pedro Oriol, Masahiro Karamura, Adrian Aus and Garrick Higo at the top of the shop. Any fancies from you guys? Barry? I, I, I backed Karamura a couple of weeks ago and he completely disappointed. But um, yeah, I like what you're saying about him. Uh, the previous event, you know, the back-to-back events. So yeah, I've I might. Uh, I think I'll join you on that one. And um, I, I'm a glutton for punishments, but I'm sticking with him. Nino Bertazio. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he, he was two. He was holes. on the fringes last week, wasn't he? It was two holes. I was just looking at his card. There, there's two holes there last week. He lost five shots on over the week, the eighth and the tenth. So there's there's something not quite you know right in the head, but maybe just a, a couple of days of perspective. The rest of the game was not was was close enough to uh, to getting him up there. So yeah, no, I, I was tempted to go it. back in. You're right. He, um, I think he was four under through six on Saturday, and um, got himself up to third or fourth spot at the time. So he was and that yeah, and then ripped was, off three bogeys in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, around the turn and didn't mm. recover, which uh, was, was really disappointing because at that point. In a, you know, an event where there's so many birdies available, if he could have kept that going, shot himself a 61-62, he would have had a shout coming into Sunday. Yeah. A shadow of doubt. So, yeah, I can see your logic, definitely. definitely. Just you can't you can't make three bogeys in a row in a low-scoring event and, uh, and, and feature, so. No. No, it just doesn't work, does it? Um, before you ask, Steve, the one I can't have this week is Laurie Cantor at 25-1. Um, and as talented as Cantor is, uh, he was 45 to 1 last week before that event. He's been cut down nearly half the price. Yeah, he finished in a tie for 48. Really disappointing close in round of 73. He shot four over for the par threes um, and lost, uh, lost strokes gained on his approach play, which is usually one of his real strengths. It's, um, it just doesn't add up for me why he should have been um, reduced from 45 to 25 to 1. Had he been a sensible price, I could have been in on uh, Cantor this week because I think uh, logically the course um, does suit a lot of his um, lot of his strengths, but not at that price. Not 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 when the bookies have taken one look and halved his price from what was a really iffy outing last week. So uh, I know you guys were you you guys were sweet on Pep Angle last week, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, was, who got into a great position yeah, and yeah. then did he did a um he did a Sung JM Saturday and uh went he was like four over when everyone else was four <laughs> five under on Saturday. Um, yeah. He's been slashed from ninety to one the price you're on. He's he's as short as forty to one this week. <sighs> so disappointing. And where did he finish? Oh yeah, no, he was, he was wait. He was second after the um, uh, second going into the weekend, and he just uh, he was over par. Where, where did he finish? I don't, I don't know. He gave up in the end, twenty eighth, thirty eighth, twenty eighth. They slashed <laughs> his. They've halved his price. Yeah, uh, it's, wow. yeah, and I think that just shows you how much the field has deteriorated in terms of quality this week. And um, clearly, it's uh, yeah. It, 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 I must say, when I looked at the looked at the market, 
um, yesterday when it started coming up, it was one of those, you know, sometimes you look at a market and you think, wow, that's great. There's a lot of players I could get involved with there. And it was the complete opposite. There was, uh, you know, five or six players that I was quite keen to see a price on and each one of them really disappointed. Um, with the exception of Adrian Alves, I expected him to be in that kind of bracket. Some of the others, Laurie Cantor, you know, 50 to 1, I might have been interested, but 25s, really? He'll probably go and win now, but uh, I can't add that price. Before we close, just want to clarify, Camillo Vijegas, uh, Rob Bolton tweeted out overnight that he's out of this week's field. He's been replaced by a sponsor uh, sponsor invite, Justin Su. I bet Camillo's made up about them. Camillo's actually 94th in the FedEx Cup standings, and they booted him out of the field and replaced him with Justin Sir, who is a very talented young individual. Sir, it's his last sponsor's exemption. If he finishes in a two-way tie for eighth, he will get enough points to get special temporary PGA Tour membership. There you go. Power, Husky, Lucas Herbert, who Monday qualified, and Patrick Cover make up the field of 156 for the Wells Fargo Championship. Um, I thank you, gentlemen, for your time this morning. Yeah, I hope your bets go well. Yeah, yeah. cheers, guys, and good luck, listeners, with all your bets. Absolutely, good luck to the listeners for their bets. Don't forget Apple Podcasts, five star reviews, much appreciated, um, and we will read them out across the PGA Tour podcast that are soon to arrive. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system